coming up on The Dojo. In perhaps one of the brighter weeks in terms of updates, we take a look back at the week that was. Assist trophies, the Nintendo Pokeballs. Mere annoyances robbing spots in the roster for potential brawlers? Or fascinating concept as a change Smash needed for development? You'll get my take on the AT situation and who intriguing AT choices would be. Bowser Mania, King Koopa revealed. In unpredictable Sakurai fashion, Bowser becomes the next veteran announced and then gets his final smash the very next day. Which veterans really deserve to be announced by now? And what does this final mean for other characters' potential finals? New stage, enter Elden. In an unseen move, we get a brand new stage to end the week, Twilight Princess's Bridge of Elden. However, are the changes that are being added to these stages going to be too much of a trend, causing a lack of tournament playable stages? I'll let you know my thoughts on the matter. Pre-E3 This week's Brawl viewpoint centers around the event that is only a few days away. What's reasonable to expect at this year's diluted conference? What's simply too much to ask? And finally, what would be just a dream come true? All this and more on The One, The Only, The Dojo. How's it going, Smashers? Today is July 8th, and welcome to The Dojo, your weekly weekend podcasting source recapping the biggest news in anticipation of Super Smash Bros. Brawl. My name is Yoko, that's how I'm known on the Smashboards, and I'm giving you the average Smashers point of view in an above-average fashion on what's happening in terms of the latest news for this game we all can't wait to get our hands on. Now, you may be asking, why a podcast when there's the forums? Well, I personally believe that what Mr. Sakurai is doing with the official website, you know, turning it into a weekday blog and all, is rather astounding for a game such as Brawl. This is a game that's going to be one of Wii's top sellers with an absolutely massive fan base. And frankly, it just doesn't hurt to get more documentation of these weeks to come. It'll help with the time passing until the game's release, and it'll give us fans who are avidly awaiting this game something to look forward to on the weekends. Alright then, with all those introductions aside, let's dive into... The Rundown! I think it can be agreed that Monday the Second's update on assist trophies was one of the best item updates since the website began weekday updates. While many were intrigued by the promise of what these ATs could mean for the franchise, one franchise got their fans' hopes dashed. That franchise is F-Zero, as Samurai Goro was announced to be one of these assist trophies. In the introductory post, characters such as Hammer Brothers and Nintendog were also announced as ATs, but this made sense, as they really didn't belong besides the established brawlers on the roster anyhow. There are certainly conflicting views when it comes to whether it was right to put Goro into the AT category, however. One side can claim that F-Zero needed another face to the franchise. Too true. Who better to add than Captain Falcon's rival, a swordsman to boot? How right you are. And hey, maybe Brawl needed someone more ripped than the already testosterone-jacked Falcon. Okay, now that's just pushing it. But the fact remains that the samurai is only going to be just a chance. A brief asset. 
a raging, slashing NPC that will only last for several seconds. Now that's really not the glory and support that the F-Zero franchise needed. This is going to be the problem with assist trophies. It is completely understandable that these subpar characters would make great additions as ATs. The real problem lies where Sakurai decides to draw the line. There are many characters that would make fantastic additions to the playable roster. To place them beside a Nintendog, for one thing, just does not give any of these deserving characters any justice. But then again, we have to make these comments without knowing the final roster for now, as we see which characters are left on the AT list. For now, those bothered by the assist trophy idea just have to swallow their pride and say to themselves that it's better to see them represented in some fashion instead of as an idea left behind, even if they are just a chance, a brief asset, or a liability if you're stuck with a Nintendog. Now where do I stand? While I really would have preferred to see Goro included, I'm one of those that just have to bite my tongue. But at the same time, I love this idea. Maybe it's because I just love the Pokeball item, but discovering each of the ATs as they appear is going to be such a rush in my opinion. In addition though, this was a decision that had to be made for this game. Other fighting games have used the support character idea before, but Brawl has the chance for the ultimate one-up here. This game has to make improvements in some way, and as fantastic as a game as Melee is, Brawl has to make its own mark. The assist trophy idea is a fresh idea that will incorporate even more Nintendo influence in the game, and all these cameos will just make gameplay that, that much more special. Well, that is, you know, until we turn items off for serious competitive play. After all, they're items when it comes down to it, right? And we all know about the stigma that items carry. So that leaves the question of who would make good ATs? Hmm, since a really good question indeed. I don't think we'll be seeing any from the Pokemon franchise, I mean that's rather obvious, isn't it? If the at one time rumored Tingle is going to make his appearance anywhere, it'll be here. I wish we could beat him about in some way though, cause popping his balloon on Great Bay was not only a great touch, but always a pleasure to do. What would he do though? Hmm, yeah, right. I would also love to see a Midna Wolf Link combo as a playable character, but then again, I don't have any problem with Imp Form Midna alone making an ATP appearance. A character like Wolf O'Donnell from Star Fox fits in the category of which if he doesn't make it in the playable roster, Sakurai shouldn't even bother making him an AT. Not only would it just diminish his overall awesomeness, but he's too important of a character in general to reside among secondary characters. Basically, AT should be filled up by sidekicks and those that have their own franchises but aren't strong enough to make the cut. That means that if our favorite Blue Blur makes the roster, Sakurai would be foolish not to give Miles Prower a run at the AT spot. Moving on now, Tuesday the 3rd gave us quite the surprise when King Koopa himself, Bowser, was confirmed in his return to the Smash World for the next installment. Honestly, none of us really ever doubted his chances, but the timing of the update seemed out of place. Bowser's gained a reasonable size advantage that was lacking in Melee, and he's definitely not shiny anymore. Again though, the timing couldn't be any stranger. Meta Knight still needs a profile, but that could just be Sakurai being shy with his own creation. Now, Zamus isn't expected for a while, because of course then he'll have to spill the beans on the in-game relation to Samus, and we know that he isn't that forthgoing with information. Well, yet. And Snake, well, Snake will still be a secret character, so now's not the right time. But seriously, Bowser? Before Yoshi with his stage and music? He's definitely one that's gotta be finalized, so it's not even a question anymore. 
Before Captain Falcon with his logo revealed the day before with Samurai Goro. Okay, maybe I'm biased because he's one of my mains, but if they're not going to put his rival in the roster, at least get him out of the way too. And before any of the other original 12? Those need to just be put out of our minds to eliminate any doubts. Not that any of us complained with Bowser though, I mean, the character model improvements looked fantastic, and it's always good to etch another character onto that final list. But the surprise is almost like seeing Zelda's profile. It took you aback, but you still gotta appreciate it greatly nonetheless. Then in stunning fashion, on the very next day we got Bowser's final smash. July 4th marked the confirmation of Giga Bowser as a transformation final smash. Is Sakurai trying to hint that Giga Bowser is the incarnation of the United States on Independence Day? Maybe that be the case, you know, you can look at that in a positive and a negative way. That choice is yours. Regardless, this opens up the door for any other transformations, final smashes that may lurk about. Okay, stop right there. I'm not even going to try to crack open the dam that's holding back the flood. That is the Samus-Zamus debate. All I will say, though, is that a transformation would be ideal, and it's what I'd prefer if it isn't broken, you know, to save roster space and to give more characters a chance. Most likely, though, Sakurai is going to make Zamus a separate character. It's the easiest thing to do, and it doesn't destroy the balance that he's trying so hard to create. There, I've said it. Both sides of the argument satisfied, that's enough. Now, who else would be able to transform, though, without these types of final smashes becoming too cliché? One that immediately comes to mind, mostly because he's a sure-to-be-returning veteran, is Ganondorf turning into Ganon. Now most of you may be thinking, the gigantic pig wizard? How? Well, might I recommend a different boar? I think that since the game is borrowing so heavily off of Twilight Princess, a good idea would be for Ganondorf to turn into Dark Beast Ganon and just go on a rampage about the stage, mauling everyone in its way. Whether the players should control him, or if the beast just tears about the confines of the stage, I'm not sure. But since there is already a Wii-made character model for Dark Beast Ganon, it shouldn't be too difficult to implement instead of creating something totally new from scratch. Now, for a further stretch, if Sonic the Hedgehog is confirmed for Brawl, there's absolutely no other choice for his final smash except for him to transform into Super Sonic. This is the culmination of his maximum power in every game of his, so long as there were Chaos Emeralds to gather. Perhaps an effect that would be initiated is that the battlefield and the combatants turn into slow motion, while Supersonic remains at regular speed, for a small period of time of course. Talk about Chaos Control. Anything less would be a travish mockery in every sense of the commercially fabricated word. Of course, the key to all these ideas is to keep the transformations in control and not have the number of ideas get out of hand. Final Smashes are all about originality, and they really apply to each character as being unique. Whether that means a transformation is the best choice or not, depends on the character in question. Again, in the end, Sakurai knows best. Still, it's always fun to try and speculate pre-release. To wrap up the splendid week, Sakurai gave us on Friday the 6th, a stage. Did he give us one that we already seen in trailers though? Of course not, we got the superb looking Bridge of Elden from Twilight Princess. However, what seemed to be a solid, flat, neutral tournament legal stage only takes a couple minor alterations to send it falling into the pit of tournament banned stages. With King Bulblin riding around at random times causing damage, smashers are sure to object to the randomness. In addition, with the occasional bombs he drops, it'll create a massive hole in the stage. Yet again, you don't want to get caught in the explosion. Obviously, you know. 
It seems, generally speaking, that for a stage to become banned, players have to become hurt in some random fashion. Forget about rolling with the punches, any chance that this happens is a problem. Other small problems that can surface are improper boundary dimensions and moving stages where the fighter has to become focused on surviving the stage and the fight. You don't want a low ceiling like on Onnit, and you don't want to get left behind when Icicle Mountain starts rapidly accelerating upward. Smashers are now starting to worry that with Sakurai emphasizing the changing aspects and levels, if there will be many tournament legal stages in Brawl, or any really, or if the casual player will be focused on, meaning an abundance of fun, random, and unpredictable levels. Looking at the stages that we know exist via the website, there are still several levels that are likely to be seen as tournament legal. Battlefield and Yoshi's Island are a testament to this fact. Yes, time and season change on these levels respectively, and a ghost pops up from time to time on Yoshi's Island, but these don't break any of the significant laws, if you will. While Delfino Plaza may seem fine and legal when the platform is landed, it's when it takes off that the problems ensue. The Mute City comparisons are all too evident. When you're high enough above the stage on the platform at a certain point, falling to your demise can become all too easy. This one probably won't be considered legal, obviously. Now as for Lilac Cruise, nothing seems to suggest being randomly attacked by stage hazards. However, we need to see the stage in motion to be sure, for we don't know if any stray lasers may create problems during the quote-unquote epic space battle. Otherwise, this stage could be Final Destination-esque in the sense that the stage layout remains the same, but a fantastic visual background display is the only distraction. My vote is for legal on this one. One can't forget the stages that we've seen in the trailers though as well. To avoid confusion, I'm going to use the names that appear in the stages section of the Smash Wiki, and I gotta say, a wonderful and successful project all in all indeed, fellas. Now, for Angel Land, the platforms collapse, but they're replaced by clouds, so no harm done it seems. I'm going to say legal. Castle. The question lies wherein if the castle is truly attacked by catapulted fire projectiles, as suspicion suggests due to Fire Emblem's nature. I think this is a hazard that Sakurai is likely going to implement, so this makes the stage problematic. Banned. Halberd. Meta Knight's ship flies about to different locales. Ah, but doesn't the Pleiades do the same in Lilac Cruise? I see no real problems. The background will move, but it's not an excuse for banishment. Legal. Helipad. Okay, we've only seen this a stage only a couple times in the trailers, so we just only know that it's there. So, um, I really don't know, but just for guessing's sake, legal. Mario Circuit. Oh, the Shy Guys. This stage would be fine if it wasn't for them, and yet again, one of Mute City's downfalls rears its ugly head and it carries over. Banned. And now finally, Pokemon Coliseum. For as little as we've seen of this stage, it doesn't really seem to change like Stadium does. And it's not like that caused Stadium to get banned anyway, since it didn't, any, didn't violate any of the major rules. I think this trend continues though, so I'm going to say legal. Now, just those stages alone, there were many more potentially legal stages than there were potentially banned ones. And as there were many, many more stages to be unveiled, as long as there is a stage that isn't randomly harmful to play, boasting improper boundary dimensions, and moving randomly to cause players' demises, then I believe we don't have to worry about a lack of tournament legal stages for our dear brawl. Now, with the rundown out of the way, it's time for this week's... 
Brawl Viewpoint. Generally, I have an idea that I'll offer this section of the show up to any one of you who's willing to do so. You can check at the end of the episode for details how to do that. But for the inaugural episode, I'll get this one going. Today's Brawl Viewpoint is about the Electronics Entertainment Expo. E3 is only a few days away, people. Nintendo's speech is on Wednesday, July 11th at 9 a.m. Pacific, or you know, you can say noon Eastern. E3 is only a few days away, and while the show is heavily nerfed compared to previous years, if any massive news is to drop regarding Super Smash Bros. Brawl, this is the show. Nintendo comes to play at E3, always have, always will and it is highly assumed that this year will be no different. Some hopes were dashed early in the week, however, when news broke that Brawl would not be playable at the event. I suppose this isn't much of a surprise. Nintendo is going to try to push brand new games as well, you know. Plus, I have a feeling that Nintendo is actually trying to avoid bad press with this move. We know that they have a few kinks to work out, as you know, Sakurai already stated with terms of controllers, like profiles on Wii remotes, etc and that they're still possibly even trying to finalize the implementation of all four of their control schemes. If problems and last-minute bugs arose for the demo of this most highly anticipated game, well, you know, that just would look bad for Nintendo. Alright, alright, not as bad as Sony looked at last year's conference, but, you know, you get the point. Still, there are certain news updates regarding Brawl that would please fans to no end that just aren't website update worthy. What can we reasonably hope to see? Well, obviously, the one news tidbit that just has to drop at E3 is a confirmed specific release date. If Nintendo messes this up, it's a terrible mistake that will infuriate a whole lot of fans. It's been several times that we've gotten the quote-unquote coming in 2007 treatment. Ever since the first trailer, through a reassurance following the lack of demo news. Well, Nintendo, your vowed time frame is coming to a close. It's time to deliver regarding what will be your best-selling game at your primary news conference of the year. No excuses. We've seen hints at how far along this game is in development, and if you can't break the news this week, something is terribly wrong. What do I think the specific release date will be? Sarcastically, I say August. Ignorantly, I say September. Ideally, I say October. Realistically, I say November. Pessimistically, I say December. And hopelessly, I say sometime in 2008. But what I'm going to go with is around Tuesday, October 23rd. This gives about a month for Halo 3 buzz to blow over, and plus it's an ideal date that should give Sakurai and his team enough time to finish all the kinks with the game. Although I wouldn't lie, it'd be pretty incredible to play the game in September in the first month back at school. Again, all that we can hope is that Sakurai really knows what is best for the final product, to make it the best that it can be. Anyways, another reasonable hope to see at E3 is a brand new trailer. It's been nearly nine months since the Nintendo World trailer was released, and that was the last distinct video evidence we saw of Brawl. Needless to say, fans will be rather displeased if a trailer isn't shown at E3, since they've been deprived of one for a terribly long time. But just what would this trailer show? If I was to venture a guess, I would say it goes either of two ways. If we get a trailer similar to the previous two, I say we are due to see some newcomer. If the most popular characters on polls, which Sakurai seems to stress about the reason for Wario's inclusion in his profile, are to make their trailer debut, it would be here. Characters that would fit this mold are DDD, Ridley, and of course Sonic the Hedgehog. 
If we're only given one newcomer at the very end, like Snake's debut was, I say Sonic is the odds-on favorite for a reveal such as this. The other kind of trailer we could get is the famous character parade, just like E3 2001 for Super Smash Bros. Melee. Finally, we could get our chance to see revamped character models for Captain Falcon, Yoshi, DK, Ness, and whatever other, whatever other surprises that Sakurai is going to throw at us. Either way, if a trailer is shown, I think we should expect to see a lot of the website's updates implemented in motion, moving in shooting, assist trophies, stages, and more. We should see it all. What kind of news points are we doubtful to see? Well, obviously a demo is pretty much out of the question. This is a slight disappointment to those who were yearning to see if small facets such as wave dashing are back in the game, but in time we will see if these game techniques are implemented or not. However, with Sakurai's unpredictability, you can't throw out anything out the window. We could get anything at E3, but yet at the same time, we could get nothing. And while I can sit here and predict what we may see, I find it out of place to determine what we may not see. We simply just can't say, looking at that perspective. On the other hand, what we can do is concoct ideas that are feasible to be announced, but wouldn't be wise to expect it. These are the dreams come true, if you will. There are two things that I personally would be ecstatic to see. First, give us numbers. Give us the final number of characters. I'll venture 42. Give us the final number of stages. I'll guess 49. Give us the final number of starting characters. I'll propose 22. Hey, while we're at it, Sakurai, give us the starting roster, character by character. Another announcement I would just love to hear about is the progress of online play. We don't need a demo to hear about it, but just give us the stats. Tell us all the capabilities. Will there be friend codes? Will there be lobbies? Will matches be customizable? What are they doing about lag? Is there a ranking mode? There is so much to spill, and yet Sakurai and his team have kept remarkably quiet about it. Quiet enough to make some of us wonder and worry how well done the online mode will actually be. However, online needs to be set aside for another week of discussion. And that's all for this week's... Brawl Viewpoint. Would you like to hear your brawl opinions and views played here on The Dojo? Send a wave, mp3, or a WMA file with you discussing a topic of your choosing to dojopodcast at gmail.com. That's d-o-j-o-p-o-d-c-a-s-t at gmail.com. And you may hear your voice and rant featured and heard as the next brawl viewpoint. You may also get your views heard by sending your discussion in text format to dojopodcast at gmail.com and have Yoko read your opinions on the air. Suggested length for discussion is roughly 1.5 to 2 pages in length, single-spaced. Submissions will be taken through the Friday before the episode's premiere. It's contest time, and the dojo needs a theme. Are you the one who has what it takes to make it? Is it going to be original or a remix of a Smash Bros. song? That's for you to decide. Send your creation in WAVE, MP3, or WMA format to dojopodcast at gmail.com. That's D-O-J-O-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. By July 20th, and you might just hear your own musical creation be the theme for the dojo. Good luck. Well, that's going to do it here for the dojo. My name is Yoko, and you can either post on the dojo topic in the general brawl discussion, private message me, or email me at dojopodcast at gmail.com for feedback and suggestions for next time. This is only the start, people, and it's just going to get better. It needs your involvement, input, and support to get to the next level, though. Next week, I'll cover E3, and as always, the week that was on smashbros.com. With that, I'm Yoko, and I'm out. This has been The Dojo, your weekly weekend podcasting source recapping the biggest news in anticipation of Super Smash Bros. Brawl.
This week's shout-out goes to the Dawn Patrol. Thanks for the long hours and dedication, guys. Keep it up. The Dojo.